Hello, and welcome to the Modern Goat Rider podcast. podcast i'm billy sanderson and i'm tara zajac hey tara how's it going good okay your tone is all business well i'm wondering who these three people are who are staring at us through zoom at least it's through zoom and not out the window oh creepy Ooh. creepy yeah until you open that border we can only stare at you through zoom <laughs> well <laughs> creeping tbd creepy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here with our lovely friends from the three links oddcast so uh hello friends and we'll get you to introduce yourself um modern goat rider listeners there are other podcasts about odd fellows so um we've talked about this show in the past and we wanted to share it with you just like they're going to share us with their listeners in the second half of the show so this is crossover episode number three and we have with us three special guests who will turn into hosts in about an hour's time why don't you start mr hansen thank you very much brother i'm toby hansen one of the hosts of the three links oddcast i'm ainsley heilig i am one of your other hosts of the three links oddcast and I'm Scott Moy, another one of your hosts of the Three Links Oddcast. And we're all very, very happy to be here with our friends at Modern Goat Rider. Yay! Yay! Well, welcome, welcome, and uh, congratulations to Scott. I know this is not his first uh, full episode as a podcaster, uh, but we wanted to welcome him to the uh, fraternity. No, it's not just a fraternity. It's actually the IMFBPM. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be with the I, the, the what? The International Mystic Fraternal Bonds of Podmakers. Aha. Okay. Um, I Ainsley take it knows the a... ceremony, so we're going to have Ainsley explain the ceremony. <laughs> okay. I'm, now I'm terrified. Absolutely hey, terrified. I, I forgot my Mystic Potentate Jewel. Am I going to need that for this? Well, you may have to walk the plank and then Ooh, dive nothing. into the dive into the strawberry jello pudding salad thing. Pretzel salad. <laughs> Inside joke, don't, sorry don't, everybody. Don't we'll give fill away you in later. Secret rights. We haven't yeah. we haven't put them through yet. Yeah, we're not supposed to talk about any of the the unwritten stuff tonight. Oh, true, true. So, why don't we talk about stuff that we can talk about? I think that's an excellent idea. Um, over here on our side of the podcasting world, we had a really great email from a listener in California named Reed Sutton, and he's gone out and made contact with his local Oddfellows Lodge, and he's met the members there, and he sent us an email, and he said, you know, this seems like a really cool thing to do to be an Oddfellow, and it seems like something that's really significant, and he went on to say something to the effect of, 
he thinks it's really important to share odd fellowship because it's really important in a contemporary setting because we've got a lot of young adults, you know, kind of 25 to 35 range. They're starting their careers. Um, they're no longer in college, so they don't have the social structures from going to college. They're, they're new at their companies. They're new in their jobs. And they're really kind of searching around for community. And he says, Odd Fellowship is perfect for that. Why doesn't it exist more? Why isn't it more popular? Why don't more people take it seriously as a way of providing that sense of community? Hmm. I mean, from our observation, our lodges between B4 and C2 tend to be a little bit on the younger side. But my observation of Oddfellows Lodges is that it hasn't quite hit that 20-something demographic niche yet totally. But it is, I imagine, a space that could be of, of value for sure for folks new to cities, just moved, that kind of thing. Now, one thing I have noticed, and this is one of the things that uh, I love both about Modern Goat Rider uh, and about the lodges that the two of you come from, is you have managed to put together the perfect group of people to hang out with and do things with. You know, you have positive people with a positive outlook who want to do things in the community and be part of your lodges. Mm -hmm. And so really in a way it's like how do we connect the dots from here's a group of five old men who have a dusty old building downtown to here is this wonderful active group of people who are interfacing with their community how do you bridge that gap there because you guys just have something so wonderful there in victoria that's very kind well, thank of you. you yeah yeah um yeah yeah you know uh i had a Vancouver as well has yeah Vancouver has some... a different kind of culture I had a I had lunch with our grand warden two days ago um and so I, he and I were talking about kind of culture and stuff and he had said that uh he was he's now an associate member with Columbia 2 and he was fascinated by how Columbia 2 just they just want to get together and and be friends like they just want everyone to be everyone's just friends, whether we're 90, well, I'm not 92. I mean, I'm in the middle at 55, but Jerry's 92 and the youngest is in his twenties and everyone just likes hanging out and doing stuff, even when it's nothing to do. Um, and he found that quite interesting compared to the other lodges in the, in the territory. So Scott travels quite a bit for his lodge, correct? Yeah. So yeah, like uh, what's uh, your hour, hour and a half sometimes. Yeah. So what's their, kind of what's keeping you pulled in and what's keeping the members pulled in traveling for you traveling, but if other members are traveling? Um, actually for me, well, it kind of goes back a bit, but I really have connected to odd fellowship on the national and international level. And that's really kind of kept me hooked because I, there's no way I can get to lodge, you know, every month from where I live. Um, then when I go up to my lodge, um, it's like I've never missed a meeting ever, if that makes any sense. Oh, um, yeah. I'm immediately, you know, oh, hey, you know, come on in. And this is what we've been doing. And this is what we're about to do. And I take real pride in what my lodge, uh, you know, the, the activities that they take on. I mean, they have literally in their in their community gotten to a point to where 
the uh, like city council and local sheriff's office actually come to the lodge for assistance for assistance with people who actually need help. Um, you know, the sheriff's office may hear about kids that need something or the city council may find out about somebody that needs bills paid or something like that. And they'll go to my lodge and, and ask them for assistance rather than my lodge going to them and saying, Hey, here we are. So they've already got this, this thing, um, where local people come to them now. And that's great. So those two things, uh, being connected on the national and international level with odd fellows, just all over the uh, North America, as well as the world, and then uh, the job that my lodge does do, and uh, being accepted when I get there. So that's a big deal to me. Yeah, that's really impressive. Ainsley, you're, you're nodding a lot. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think the one of the biggest things lodges can do to bridge that age gap is to do activities first of all, do activities that attract people in general. And then once you start getting maybe a younger person involved, give them the freedom to come up with an activity of their own that would attract more of their peers instead of just shutting down any ideas. I think that would be probably the most efficient way to get new people in the door is to try to get a new person first and then really foster that new person until they can bring more of their people. Mm-hmm. It's like a domino. Now here's, here's something that I've thought a lot about, and I think you probably have more direct experience with it than I do Ainsley. And that is the idea that for someone like yourself, who is an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and a business owner, you are not necessarily going to an office every day and seeing coworkers and talking and hanging out at the water cooler and getting a lot of socializing that way. Now you are socializing, but more so with clients of your tattoo parlor. Yes. But you are not getting that kind of, you know, office interaction that happens in a lot of workplaces. And so one of the ways in which I think that odd fellowship is very appealing with the number of people who are young, who are starting out as artisans or craftspeople or working in the gig economy, Odd Fellowship and those regular lodge meetings gives you a kind of social structure that replaces whatever you were doing in college where you saw people in classes every day. And if you're not working in an office where you have you know, morning staff meetings on Tuesdays at 8.30, it replaces that kind of camaraderie and things like that i really look forward to that and that's been one of the things i've missed a lot during the pandemic is being able to go to lodge meetings and see that group of people that i always know cares about me i think there's something psychologically um to be said scott i feel like you're gonna pop in a sec too but like that sort of like that wow it's you you know, and you don't always get that client relationship or working from home or on Zoom. And you see either you see someone and give that like you're stoked to see them and that's palpable and vice versa. And I think at the most basic human level, it gives a little maybe hormonal rush or what do you want to say? You're like, hmm. you walk away like a little bit extra warm and fuzzy because that you have that person to person response and excitement to, to have you in their midst. And that's really nice. And we do get that from meetings, I would say for sure. It's kind of like the cheers effect where like if somebody is not 
uh, maybe a monthly meeting goer and they only maybe make it a few times a year, like, like Scott, I, I guarantee you probably you walk in that room and you're going to have a couple people go, Hey, and, and be <laughs> genuinely happy that you showed up that night. Yeah. And that makes you feel good. That's one of the things that I always tell people who are thinking about joining or who are interested in it. If you're not the kind of person who feels like other people care about you, if you feel alone or isolated, even some of the time, you should be an odd fellow because we all love and care about each other. I can guarantee you that at least once a month, you're going to go to a place where the whole room is full of people who are glad to see you and they're they're happy that you're there and it could be something as simple as oh thank god we can make quorum tonight or it could be something <laughs> as profound as hey we heard you were having a birthday and we brought cupcakes being a part of something where people make a commitment to care about each other is a really wonderful thing that's another thing that I personally think makes Odd Fellowship especially relevant in this day and age. Um, I was on Discord earlier uh, talking with some of the other Odd Fellows around North America, and uh, Sister Meredith Moore from Dallas, Texas, she is wonderful. Uh, Ainsley and I got to meet her at Sovereign Grand Lodge last summer. She shared something that a friend of hers had said. So her friend said... Um, I don't want to live my whole life holed up in my apartment and only be discovered that I'm gone because I missed my 10th Zoom meeting in a row and have someone show up at my apartment and find that my cat has eaten my face off. Oh my God. Lord. <laughs> that hurt really, really fast. And that's, really that, is the kind of, that is the kind of loneliness and isolation that a lot of young adults feel. And they don't have to feel that way. You know, as Odd Fellows, we can provide that sense of meaning and that sense of belonging and that sense of caring. But you it's know, so hard because how do we find the young adults who need that and tell them this is where it is? And I, then the other problem with that is how do we actually get them into lodges with Mel from Grumpy Springs? Right. You know, uh, you're talking about that. It, it, when you look at um, um, people who have left college, I think earlier we were talking about that age group. And, you know, a lot of those folks that left college were in sororities or they were in fraternities. Mm -hmm. And Odd Fellowship would be an obvious next step uh, for them. And I, I think that that might be an area for some lodges to even look at as far as recruitment is concerned is is looking at people who have just you know left college if they were already in a fraternity or sorority they already kind of have an idea about how fraternity life works but not only that they're going to bring in ideas that they use on college campuses into your lodge and they're going to um hopefully you know modernize it a bit and bring in new ideas about you know recruitment, about activities, that sort of thing. So I think, I think that's certainly an, an important uh, aspect. Mm -hmm. Now here's an idea. Um, I'm going to borrow this from our friends just to the east in Idaho. Uh, the lodge in Coeur d'Alene was down to its last couple of members, and they were struggling. 
And the Noble Grand at the time had a really wonderful idea. There's an organization called the JCs, the Junior Chamber of Commerce. You age out of the JCs at 40. And so he went to the JCs in Idaho and he said, hey, you're aging out. You still want to be part of this organization? Join the Odd Fellows. It is the next best thing. And it gave an infusion of energy and new people into that lodge. And the people who joined that lodge were very happy that they could continue on with that kind of group dynamic that they really enjoyed in the JCs. So everybody go out, uh, find your local junior chapter or junior chamber chapter and make friends with them and tell them, hey, when you're too old for this, come to the Odd Fellows because you can you can be 40 years old as an Odd Fellow and still be one of the kids. Right. True. <laughs> I had this topic came up with uh, actually Jim on Wednesday because we were talking about uh, the community up island, uh, Courtney Comox area, which are sort of twin towns. And we still own a building up there. We Oddfellows Grand Lodge own a building up there. And um, members from Victoria have gone up and done renovations and some, you know, handyman work on the facility. But uh, I was talking to him about growth in the general sense on the island. And he was explaining to me how that community of these twin towns is very full of small organizations. They have the Newcomers Club, they have the Traveling Wine and Cheese group, they have this group, they have that group, and they have a lot of groups because they have a lot of retirees. And so not that Oddfellows is in the retiree recruitment business, because we've tried that for a while, um, but that is just a community that is familiar with volunteer organizations, volunteer things, going to well, what is it called uh, Buccaneer Days or something? They have some. They have some Filberg, Filberg, Filberg Festival. Festival, and then they have this uh, event going on where there's always a booth with somebody new or some organization. So that is not a foreign or weird culture for up there. And so he and I were talking about um, this newcomers club because I have friends that moved from Calgary and they joined the newcomers club, and they're all sitting around it like their seventh year in the newcomers club and they're kind of going we're not really newcomers anymore we just love this community and uh jim stiven said if you if we if a group went in there and said listen there's this other organization and they and they talked to five of them and then they went to another group maybe the wine and cheese group and they talked to them and they said listen it's not a beautiful lodge hall but it's a hall and it's something where you can work out of um, if you need a space to work out, you don't need to rent the, um, the boardroom or you need to go into the hotel, um, you know, conference room somewhere, this is yours. And the Grand Lodge will get you rolling with, um, you know, a num couple numbers in front of a comma in front of three other zeros um, to get you kind of rolling. So that's another thing that, I mean, I think is the response, could be the responsibility or the opportunity for Grand Lodges to look at the places where they have halls still. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but BC is very lucky. We have halls with no lodges in them, as opposed to other communities that sold their lodges and so forth that we hear across the U.S. But there's different ways, you know, like that. I think that's my long-winded point is there, there's different ways, but there's similar kind of pings. You, you ping the fraternity because they're used to it. 
you ping the wine and cheese club because you know they they just always love gathering together and wine and cheese works perfectly in iof no i think that's a really good point um a number of years ago before i joined odd fellows i was on the board of a, a green building council here in town and we would have these monthly seminars so we invite architects or you know, passive house experts or, or whatever to speak and we'd have it open to the public and it was great. But it ended up kind of fizzling out because we had a zero budget. Mm. You know, we charge a very nominal fee to people coming in, but oftentimes it was students. So people might put in a couple bucks, but that was it. So we were very much reliant on getting free or cheap um, event space. And that's hard to come by because like us and everybody else in town. And if funny irony is that I didn't join Odd Fellows until I was done with that because I only have so much time. But had I been a part of Odd Fellows, then I could have perhaps used that hall right. as a great space to have these really inform cool informative events and likely, you know, get a couple of people to join because I'd see how great the, the mm -hmm. Odd Fellows was. Um, so I think, yeah, it's a real gift to have these buildings and are we leveraging them enough? Um, both as a service to the community or um, a byproduct of service to ourselves in, in terms of like exposing people to, to what the order is all about. Mm -hmm. So I, I wish I knew you then, but I did not. I, I love that idea of going up to Courtney and uh, talking to the people around town and saying, hey, uh, we've got a space, you join the lodge, we'll get you started there. That is a template I'd like to see other grand lodges jump on. And I, I hope that uh, Grand Lodge of BC pursues that. I hope it's successful. And then I hope that if the pandemic ever ends, someone from Grand Lodge of BC will bring that story to our Northwest Oddfellow and Rebecca Association meeting because I would like other jurisdictions to hear that that very process can be successful. I was going to ask about halls. Because I don't, I, I know a bit about Ainsley's Hall. And if you haven't heard the story, you go back to episode three of Modern Goat Rider, <laughs> way, way back, <laughs> and hear Ainsley talk on his old microphone. But uh, do you, and, and maybe the Scott, the same goes for uh, you as well. Do you, when there's recruiting or when people are interested, are they interested in the building? Uh, does the building have a bit of a panache or character that, um, brings people around. I know this place like Allentown, Pennsylvania has a, an amazing hall with no mm -hmm. elevator. I know that story. Um, but like, what, what's the story of your halls? So my, my building obviously is kind of a multifunction space where the downstairs is my tattoo shop. And then the upstairs, the back half of the upstairs is the lodge. And then the front half of the upstairs is my residence. And so I love showing off my lodge hall and like, I talk about Oddfellow stuff all the all the time. I've got decorations and stuff in the shop. So a lot of times if I feel like people are kind of like curious, I'll be like, well, I'll take you upstairs and we're done and I'll show you the room. And every time without fail, you know, I take them up, pop on the lights and they're like, oh my God, I had no idea something like this was up here. And that kind of wow factor really impresses upon people that A, that this is something I didn't realize was right under my nose. And B, this is a really cool space with so many opportunities and possibilities for activities. And like, it's really cool seeing people's kind of gears turning. It's like, oh man, like 
what do you do up here? And then I kind of give them the kind of rundown. And then I'm like, well, you know, if you're interested in some of the stuff, I could add you to the Facebook group. So that way you can see when we're doing stuff. And that's kind of like my sort of elevator recruitment kind of speech is talk to them a little bit while I'm tattooing them, then take them upstairs, show them the room. And then if, if they're interested, then I add them to our, um, our group on our, our lodge group on Facebook and try to see if I could get them to come to more, to, you know, come out to an event. And not that it is like, has a huge return on an investment for that. You know, like it's, I, I can't tell you like how many people I have to show to how many people actually join, but I have had people, you know, either join because of, you know, they started off as tattoo clients and then they ended up joining because of either, you know, me talking about it or they come to one of our events that we hold. And yeah. So. Have you considered doing be- half a tattoo and then not finishing it until they join? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Just spitballing. Okay. That- we, can, we can tattoo all the symbols of the initiatory degree, <laughs> but we're going to have to wait till you finish your degrees. After each one, we'll, we'll do the rest of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can get the bundle of sticks. You can get the scales and sword. One thing I thought would be cool to do is um, I haven't had this opportunity yet. But um, eventually, you know, like if we get like some like past grands through, it'd be cool that like if that was kind of like, you know, instead of getting a past grand jewel, I do like a little past grand jewel tattoo on you, you know, like the heart and hand with the star. And mm-hmm. I think that would be kind of like a cool sort of uh, achievement sort of thing to work in with it. But I haven't I haven't had that chance yet. But so, Scott, about your hall, what's it like? Well, uh my my lodge meets in a veterans hall actually, and uh, there's there's no building up in uh, Marshall where uh, that that's an odd fellows building. Um, when I first joined that lodge, I actually was initiated into a lodge near where I live now, and they actually had their own building. But when I transferred up to Marshall, Arkansas, uh, they don't have a building up there, and in fact. Uh, they actually met at a, let's see, I think it was the electric companies, the local electric companies um, uh, boardroom or something like that for a while. And then they moved over to the veterans hall there. Um, I think Tara said something about what, what it is, or I think the question was something like what, what gets people into our lodge. And at least on my end, when um, people come to me and want to join the lodge, Obviously, it's not going to be the lodge building, but I have mentioned it to people that I know, um, and over time, they begin to kind of ask me questions. It's sort of like uh, fishing. You you cast the bait out, and you very slowly reel, and um, so they just sort of get interested in the order. Um, I direct them to the podcast. I direct them to the Facebook page. I direct them to heart and hand and maybe some of the other books that you can buy and purchase and all of that rolls together. And then next thing, you know, um, they, they want to join. And I've kind of been instrumental, I think, in getting about 11 people, I think initiated into our lodge over the last year or two, um, even with the pandemic, um, just sort of being kind of chill about it. But so it's actually the philosophy of the odd fellowship that attracts people to our lodge, not the building. But I didn't know Ainsley was, doing what he's doing with his building by taking people up and going, you know, here's the wow factor. Cause if that doesn't pull you in getting on the inside of, of Ainsley's uh, uh, building and up to their lodge, nothing's going to pull you in. Cause that's an amazing, amazing uh, lodge building. It's, it's, it's no, you know, it, it, it doesn't compare or hold a candle 
to the lodge y'all have up oh, in no. uh, Victoria. Yeah, right. Okay, that, that, that is the jewel box yeah. of order. <laughs> we blush about it, but it's fun to do a tour and then have the same thing happen. People, you, you have the event side and then you have the hall and people will look up and they look up at the ceiling. And I just had this with a fellow who was in his 20s the other day and he just stopped and he went, uh like that and just stared up at the ceiling and i was thinking what is he thinking you know like what what's so impressive like and you know he his response was you have 30 foot ceilings we go yeah yeah we know it's it's just kind of the thing (laughs) but what like brother uh scott shaw in victoria he said you know i fell in love with the building bill murphy said he fell in love with the building uh jim stibbett and these guys are all 20 plus years so you, you can't fault the building from being a charming catch to uh, odd fellows and so forth. But Scott's right. It's the philosophy that's the hook. It's uh, the friendship, or maybe it's just uh, somebody who knows my name. Like the, mm-hmm. and, and Ainsley's right on that one too. Like, so the cat doesn't eat your face? And, then and so the cat doesn't eat yeah. 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 Like the last thing I want is my cat like gnawing <laughs> on my cheek one night okay i gotta just take a pause here yeah there was this movie uh called uh it was something about pets and uh garofalo the comedian yeah, janine. janine garofalo was yeah. in it yeah and she was a dj and she had a pet like uh psychology kind of uh radio show and this guy phones in and says uh so it's okay if my cat licks my face for three hours. And her response was, it's okay to love your cat. Just don't love your cat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so if my, if my dog or my cat's licking my face, uh, then I know it's time to go to hall. <clears throat> okay. So let's uh, let's kind of switch it up a little bit now. I'm gonna we're gonna go into hot take mode because we've okay, already done takes. kind of the you know, and uh, do you know hot. what hot take is? Yes. Yeah. What's a hot take? An off the cuff opinion. That is supposed to what? Uh, perhaps sensationalize. Yes. Cause a scandal. Maybe. Look at these guys. These are there's a hot take. <laughs> hot take crowd. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's... I, I listen to sports radio a lot oh, of the yeah. time, and that is almost nothing but hot takes. Jim Rome, yeah, yeah. Jim Rome, yeah, it's all hot take. <laughs> Uninformed opinions. <laughs> True. <laughs> all right, moving on, because uh, you know, <laughs> uninformed opinions. Sometimes that's what a hot take. We is. are. I, b- I believe I believe that's what people in uh, in certain communities call a read. Yes. Mm. So we've touched on Grand Lodge. And we've talked about our own individual kind of responsibility for helping a lodge grow and bringing in those uh, 10, 11 people over a few years time. What does the group think, hot take wise, uh, responsibility would lie on Grand Lodge for the growth of lodges within their jurisdiction? So um, we hear sometimes on Facebook that uh, Grand Lodges don't seem to be all that participatory or maybe even communication. You guys have talked about that one. But the idea that Grand Lodge has a responsibility to successful growth. I'm going to jump on that one right away because 
this is an opinion of mine that has got me in a, a certain amount of trouble in my jurisdiction, which is that I think the number one job of Grand Lodge is encouraging odd fellowship. That is going in and assisting lodges that currently exist and need mm -hmm. help. That is putting resources towards developing new lodges. And I think most importantly, and one of the things that I'm most passionate about, helping the initial efforts. Because a lot of what I have seen, and we've been really fortunate on this show to get to talk to some people who've started new lodges, somebody gets an idea, they say, hey, I really want a lodge, this is the right idea, it's the right organization, I have the right people. They get a group of people together, and then the Grand Lodge will do nothing but throw up brick walls in their path. They'll say, oh, you, you have the requisite number of people, but I think you should have more to ensure that if someone leaves, you're more successful. Or, oh, you don't have a meeting place. Or, oh, you don't have this. Or, oh, you don't have that. And in my jurisdiction, uh, I saw previous grand secretaries that we have had who took an incredibly disappointingly and I think malfeasant laissez-faire attitude towards lodge development and encouragement. Um, you know, lodges where they still had a building and they had a core of three or four active people and they had 10 on the books. And if they could just get a little bit more help, maybe they could get a few more people to join and get a little momentum going. And the Grand Lodge sat back and said, that's not our problem. And to me, that is Grand Lodge's problem. Grand Lodges all over the world need to remember, we are not in the real estate development business. We're in the odd fellowship business. We are in the business of promoting odd fellowship. Anything else that a Grand Lodge might do, there's also some other organization that would do it. But the one thing that is unique to Grand Lodges is to collect resources and deploy those for the benefit of Odd Fellowship. And I think one of the worst things is when you have someone or a group of people who are interested and want to be active, want to charter a lodge, for the Grand Lodge to stand back and be indifferent or even obstructive, I think that is horrible. I'd like to piggyback on that. Or goat back. Please don't do. we goat back? <laughs> we goat back. Goat back. <laughs> well, you're in Arkansas, so wouldn't that be a razorback? Uh, ooh, well, <laughs> depends. Um, I'll razorback on top of that. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you um, with, with Grand Lodge. Grand Lodges should be in the business of promoting odd fellowship um, on a state level, um, as, as well as helping with new lodges. I've seen it here with my Grand Lodge where they just completely flat don't care. Um, people have tried to start lodges in our jurisdiction and get little, if any, help. Um, and it's it's quite distressing. And um, I really think that a lot of Grand Lodges need to stop kind of throwing up these roadblocks. But I don't know exactly how we convince a Grand Lodge to do that um, and, you know, be more cooperative. But I've seen it a number of times where people want to start a lodge in our jurisdiction and suddenly Grand Lodge has just sort of disappeared like they never existed. And a lot of things, a lot of the, a lot of the time, the way that they'll do that is they'll in, on, on the front end, they'll say, yes, we'd love to have a new lodge down at Grumpy Springs. You've got me saying that now. 
<laughs> so yes, we would, they'll say, yes, we would love to have a lodge at Grumpy Springs. And so this is what we need you to do. And they, you know, tell them what to do. These people at Grumpy Springs, they go out and they recruit the, the, the things that they need and, and find a little place to, to meet. And then they contact Grand Lodge again and it's crickets, nothing. You hear nothing. They don't respond to emails. They don't respond to phone calls or any sort of texting or any of that. It just stops. And that's been a pattern here. And I also know that it's, it, it's also been a pattern in some other jurisdictions as well. Um, and um, so I, I don't know how we fix that. Does one of those jurisdictions rhyme with Schmalabama by any chance? Well, you know, it's we're in the South here. And so, uh, you know. I find that a little bit funny because so much of our recent growth of new lodges has been in the southeastern United States. Yeah. I mean, there's two things that you seem to be good at down there. Winning college football games and chartering new lodges. SCC, baby. <laughs> SCC. <laughs> So, Ainsley, what's your rebuttal from a very supportive Grand Lodge? Okay, so my Grand Lodge, I am very blessed to have a wonderful supportive Grand Lodge, uh, Illinois. And the way I kind of, my personal view is that it's like almost like 80% the lodges, individual lodges responsibility, and then maybe 20% the responsibility of a Grand Lodge to do the like the heavy lifting and the point of the Grand Lodge is to be the support for if a lodge needs help or they need, you know, anything. Like, I know if I pick up a phone or email somebody at Grand Lodge and I need something, like, they're going to they're gonna do it. And, um, or they'll make it happen somehow. And that's, that's a fantastic thing to know. That's a resource that I use and have used. And, but, like, whenever I see or hear people complaining that, Oh, Grand Lodge doesn't do anything or sovereign doesn't do anything. And while I do agree that an obstructive, a, a, an obstructionist do nothing Grand Lodge or Grand Secretary can do more harm. One person, one Grand Secretary who does not respond to messages or emails or anything can do more harm to a jurisdiction than anything. And I'm not going to say any names of jurisdictions. But there are some of them down there in the corner of the country that are definitely the the top winners of having people trying to bang down their door to join the odd fellows. And there's nobody there to greet them or answer. And it's very difficult that these jurisdictions, just from the several years of me handling emails, would easily have dozens of more people who could have joined yeah. had had they, you know, had somebody on the other end of the line. But at the end of the day, if a Grand Lodge is functioning well and a person join or, and a person gets the information they need and then they get to the local lodge that they're going to join and it's a kitchen table lodge or it's full of grumpy springs mells that are going to just say, no, 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 this is not how we do it, then all has failed. So it has to come from the bottom. It has to come from the lodge itself first to have the quality experience. So that way people like us are not selling a, like a myth of odd fellowship to people that doesn't exist whenever they actually get to the meat and the potatoes of it. And yeah. I know we try to kind of elevate odd fellowship because of the odd fellows that we know has the, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for brain right now. Um, there's like, it's, it's built in there. Everything is there ready to go. And there's like, 
so much um begins with a p i'm really having a brain fart right now um pulchritude no. No, sure. we'll fix it in part <laughs> that's, my, that's my word of the day <laughs> There, but there's like uh you know there's there's you have to make sure that the lodges are doing the jobs they need to be doing and doing it the right way so that way when somebody new does show up they don't just turn tail and book it out of there because they're like i'm not giving 50 dollars to these people every year because this is ridiculous and you have to make sure you're providing the experience and the you know the value added of uh, potential that's the word i was looking potential. for potential we all see the potential of odd fellowship and we believe in the potential of odd fellowship and we try to live that potential and more lodges need to do that more members need to do that more grand lodges need to do that but at the end of the day it has to start from the bottom and go up now in all fairness to brother scott i also see the pulchritude in odd fellowship and enjoy that very much <laughs> So I have a, a counterpoint-ish hot tank, hot take to what Ainsley was saying in that, and I guess maybe, I don't know, Victoria is unique because we have a couple different lodges in one, in one city, but I feel like Grand Lodge could really, really, really help by having a very good, informative, modern looking online presence. So if I don't know that there's a Columbia 2 and a Victoria 1 and a Bastion 4 and I Google Odd Fellows Victoria or whatever Odd Fellows BC because maybe I'm in, you know, somewhere just outside where there are lodges that that is the first website that shows up that has um, a nice explanation of what Odd Fellows is about. And then it can link to the other lodges because Grand Lodge has experience, Grand Lodge has money and that's not, I would like to think that perhaps in an ideal world, they could either have the capacity or pay for the capacity to have a good looking online resource because that's the way things are nowadays if we want to attract younger people we have to look to an online space and then it's up to the lodges to provide that experience and maybe when I click on Bastion 4 it's going to explain the uniqueness of what my lodge has and what it has to offer but I think that first touch should be somewhat regional and that's the keyword is odd fellows like in google like that's what's going to show up so when you google that and you get an old ass looking website that just has, you know, whatever on it, then why would you want to go any farther and look at individual lodges? I'm take, glad that you said that because I communication, so. <laughs> what, one of the examples I always give of a really good suggest successful jurisdiction is the one just south of me here in Oregon. Ron Coons, as a grand secretary, does a really, really good job. And the Odd Fellows all over Oregon do a good job of supporting lodges when it is needed. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was at the Oregon Grand Sessions, which, by the way, side note, jurisdictions, please hold your Grand Sessions in a location that people want to visit. Uh, Oregon has always chosen great places for their sessions. Uh, at the time, it was in Seaside. So uh, we're going out for seafood, and I sat down with... Uh, a bunch of past grandmasters in Oregon to have lunch. And I, I said, hey, you know, there's like five past grandmasters here at this table. Um, what is it that makes Oregon a successful jurisdiction? How have you been able to save almost twice the number of lodges that Washington has? And one of them said, well, you know, we pool resources and we really try and share them where they're needed. When an issue comes up in a lodge, 
our grand secretary doesn't just turn a blind eye and say, nope, you figure it out, it's your problem. He'll go in, he'll talk to people, uh, he will try and get information, and then if someone else needs to come in and help them solve an issue, um, he will find the people to do it. And so Oregon has 45 lodges, whereas Washington has 27, okay? That's because Oregon has things like, uh, I forget what the name of it is, but they have a statewide degree team. They have a trailer loaded up with all the stuff they need to put on degrees, and when there's a lodge that needs degrees done and can't do them for themselves, they call up Ron Coons at the Grand Lodge office, and he says, hey... Um, I will find some people and we will send the degree team to your lodge and they set it up. Now here in Washington, we've got a new grand secretary a couple years ago, Laurel Deloney, who is doing many of those same things, the outreach, the support, and it is starting to really pay dividends. Um, we gave the shout out on our last show to Ellensburg Lodge number 20 because Ellensburg brought in 21 new members and that was made possible because our grand secretary laurel deloney and our grand master who is her husband dave deloney put together a degree team and drove over the mountains in the snow in the winter time to go put on the uh, initiatory degree for this group of 21 people and it is when grand lodges will get involved at the grassroots level that they will start to see the success. You know, now we've, you know, we've just got to like compete with Oregon and get a whole bunch more lodges going here in Washington. Yeah. So one of the things I had on the the chat with I'm going I'm, I'm my recollection is so strong with Jim right now because we just chatted but um going into the lunch I didn't expect to have all these uh points and one of the things that he and I chatted about was a member of our lodge um, Jerry Ratchford is a past grandmaster and, and he was telling us in his day and his era of grandmastering was closing lodges and he was like close them close them they were closing them and when Jim and I were talking about it we're like you know we have to really remember that Oddfellows is a bit of an organization and so the organization probably looked at how do we close lodges efficiently because we're closing so many and they forgot how to open lodges efficiency because they were never opening any so lots of head nods here on this one so i i'm loving my hot take (laughs) Um, spicy spicy hot it's spicy hot that's uh but that's the thing that i i think sometimes the odd fellows forgets you know and, and i went back to this in the previous shows you know organization is just an interesting topic to me and i don't want to fix anybody's grand lodge and tell you how to do it but how you do it is you act like a business you you think about where you've worked before you retired you think about the jobs that you've had where things have been successful and customer service is a big thing you put somebody who's good at customer service in your grand secretary seat Someone who knows email, someone who knows how to answer, understands that the that mystery, hey, what are you guys all about? One line sentence actually could be somebody who's the next Ainsley or the next Scott or the next Toby. It might take some time, but they might be the next one. 
Um, so I think that is missing from Grand Lodges. And I said that to Jim, like, I think the, the obligation and the responsibility of Grand Lodge is to be, as Tara said, you know, kind of the front door, but also the facilitator for making things rather easy. And Jim told stories about two lodges in BC. Um, they will remain nameless, but they're 30 minutes apart from each other. One's a kitchen table lodge and the other is a growing lodge. And they could so easily do everything together. Like they could easily put on an event together, but they just don't. And so, you know, as Grand Warden, he said, this is something we could work on. Um, so you have jurisdictional partnership, you have Grand Lodge partnership, you have all these things that I think were just not uh, well-oiled. And, and the thing that's well-oiled is how to close the lodge and sell the building. I think that's really kind of a focus issue. If you've joined any time in the last 20 years, you've no doubt talked to all the old timers who said, oh, I remember the old days when everybody was active and we were doing these things and it was great. And there was so much focus on what was going on inside the lodge because fraternalism was a common part of everyday life. The paradigm was well known. People understood that you belonged to the local lodge, just like you would belong to a church. Lodges didn't have to think about anything outside the walls of their lodge. And so you got people who were more concerned with who got put on the finance committee this year and not anything having to do with promotion. And so we, we have continued with that focus. And so one thing that I've learned, um, having served as Grand Master and gone back and having had to look at earlier journals of proceedings to look up precedents and to look up things that have happened in the past, Odd Fellowship was not necessarily in this sort of, oh, it was growing until a certain time and then it started dying. That is kind of uh, an overly simplified way of looking at our past. We have always been growing and changing to meet the needs of people who were looking for Odd Fellowship. Like here in Washington, there was a year, 1896, in which 22 new lodges were chartered. That's almost two lodges a month. But then as you look at that, you go, oh, there were some lodges that also consolidated, gave up their charters, shut down along the way. So it wasn't this just unending upward growth to the 1920s or 1930s and then a steady decline. It was actually in multiple threads of growth and decline at the same time. But at a certain point, what I think changed is we got people who were so involved inside of the lodges, they lost focus of what's going on outside of the lodges, and they lost the knowledge of how to interact with the community, how to present themselves in the community, how to remind the communities that they were really vital parts of those communities. And so you get the spooky building that's never open at the edge of downtown and nobody knows what they do and they think it says 100F on the pediment at the top of the building and they're like, what is that? We don't know, it's spooky. <laughs> and this is a place where Grand Lodges can really open up and do some reaching out. You know, encourage Lodges. If a Lodge doesn't have the people 
to be able to march in a parade or put on a booth in front of their lodge during the parade or something like that. Grand Lodges can contact the other lodges around them, or they can send people, and they can say, hey, we don't have much, but we will set up a card table in front of your hall. Um, you bring down some of the regalia, and we will talk to people as they come by on the street. And just rebuilding those links with the community, that is so important because so many Oddfellows have been members for so long, they have forgotten to form those community connections. That's where we almost secret societyed ourselves to death. To death. Man, you touched on something that really fires me up, and it's it's called the card table. Yes. Um, it's uh, it's it's got to be better than a card table, folks. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be better than a card table yeah. if you want to impress a millennial. They're going to see that card table and they're going to go, I haven't seen a card table since my mom and dad's place in the 70s when they'd have bridge club. What's that <laughs> thing? Who wants to join this committee? Just get a just get a um, you know a thirty inch by seventy two inch banquet table. Throw a blank, throw a, a sheet over it, and you know you'll look so much better than a card table. Pay a hundred bucks for um, a standing banner. Yeah, yes. and, and that's another and that's Swag. another thing. Yeah, yeah. Swag is so easy, and we've just gone through this in Colombia. And um, what we should do, gentlemen and folks, is we should watch. Yeah, you. Yeah, everybody, gentlemen, everybody, and, and sister. And sister, Whoever uh, is we should keep an eye on the clock because we need to switch over to our topic number two. Um, but I wanted to mention about the subordinate lodge having the, you know, like $100 might be a lot for a lodge. I get it. Mm. Find a printer. Find somebody who can help you out. Um, we, Columbia just did uh, have a whole bunch of them here. I'm just opening a drawer. That's that noise. Um we created these uh, cards out of Ainsley's artwork. Um, and it's, it's a card. It's the size of a postcard. And it says, um, if you found this old key that unlocked your ability to do more for others and expect more from yourself, would you use it? IOF.org. And then on the back, it's an explanation of what the Oddfellows is all about and about lodges in Victoria. And so... The idea is it's just a calling card. It's that thing you leave when the person gives you a little bit of a curiosity. Um, we drop it off and we just say, nice. here, here, take Very this. Nice. Go learn. It didn't cost that much. They're nice. They're glossy. They're Canadian dollars. So, you know, you got a 30% discount just starting right there, US. <laughs> um, and your dollars are so pretty. They're all sorts they're of... All and they, they go through, and they go through the wash. They go through the wash. One hundred percent plastic. Yeah. Yep. But I think too. I mean, there's always the Vista prints and the cheap printers. But what a neat opportunity to connect the local printer. Yeah. So and form a relationship. Yeah, and so there's a lot of responsibility shared, and and I I think Grand Lodge is a supportive organization. Um, Grand Lodge should act like a, a like a state government or somebody. Well, better than a state government, <laughs> but you should act like a state government in All it. All the libertarians are getting. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> Just to, you know, kind of support the communities that are within it. And then the local lodge is the community within it. Like mm -hmm. that's how you find the members not going to join Grand Lodge. They're going to join your lodge, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about the card table thing. Um, got to keep in mind, too, that a substantial, like, okay, you're set up on the street corner, 
wait, no, not the corner, not the street corner. That's something else. Let's you're set up in front. <laughs> certainly odd. So, okay. So you're set up. In I front mean, that's of your one office. way to recruit. Yes. Well, <laughs> And so you're set up in front of your hall. There's a street festival and all like that. But um, you, you also have to keep in mind that there will be a substantial number of people that will never approach your booth, but will stand in the distance, pull out their phone, Google what they see in your booth and try to find your website and experience it from there. And so you, you've got to have all of this stuff dovetailed. Okay, you, you've got to have, you know, a, a, a three dimensional presence there on the on, on the sidewalk, we'll say. But you also have to have behind that uh, something there for those people who will never approach your booth. But they see you there. They'll stand off somewhere else, pull out their phone and Google it and see what's up with you. Um, and so it's 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 all got to be connected. It's like one great big root system to a tree. So. Mm -hmm. Here's another idea um, that I saw when I was over in Idaho. And uh, it's very similar to what you're doing with the postcards in Victoria. Uh, the Grand Secretary of Idaho at the time, he printed up a whole bunch of bookmarks with the Odd Fellows information on it and handed them out at independent bookstores. Nice. Mm. Nice. Ooh, and you could another, do like beer coasters idea, or anything. Another idea that uh, I'm stealing from Idaho and sharing with the world because Idaho is the source of many good things, sending out flyers to real estate agents. Right now, Idaho is going through uh, a big inward migration uh, from a bunch of people moving there from other parts of the country. Send out flyers to real estate agents saying, hey, if you've got new people coming to town, uh, they're buying houses, they're getting involved, they're looking for community things. Here's the contact information for our lodge. Yeah, yeah, I, boots on the ground type stuff. Uh, game on. Yeah. So as Ains, as uh, Toby always says, right? Uh, the solution for every problem is drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Ainsley's answer, but I, <laughs> I I don't want to ascribe anything to him. <laughs> You know, what we're going to do now is that we, uh, I have enjoyed this uh, conversation so far, blaming all our problems on people who aren't associated with us 100%. Um, so uh, why don't we, uh, why don't we just swing on over to uh, the Three Links Oddcast for part two and uh, the second topic. That's right. All of you modern goat rider listeners, this is your chance. Go to the podcatcher of your choice. Look up Three Links Oddcast and subscribe to us, and you can hear the second half of this episode right after this. Thanks for listening.